0: Learn more at marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast.
1: Donald, deep down the field, Anderson over the shoulder with a miraculous catch.
0: A perfect ball thrown by Donald. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of turnonthejets.com. This week we're going to be joined by Dom Cosentino who writes for Deadspin and has previously worked on the New York Jets beat. He's been on the pod a few times before. In today's interview we're going to talk about the discussion he had with Pepper Johnson uh, about the state of the New York Jets organization. A really interesting read on Todd Bowles, Woody Johnson, Mike McCagnin, how things are currently working at Florham Park. I definitely encourage everybody to give it a read uh, either before or after listening to this interview with Dom. We're also going to talk with him about how this team is covered and how they interact with the local and national media, particularly when they are approaching making some type of firings. And we know that the Jets are going to move on from Todd Bowles this offseason. Still an outstanding question as to whether they're going to move on from Mike McCagnon. Before we jump into our interview with Dom, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Statement Games. Go to StatementGames.com. Click on the lobby and sign up for the Jets versus Texans game that is happening on Saturday. Reminder, the Jets game is on Saturday this week, not Sunday. It is basically set up pretty similar to DraftKings or FanDuel. There will be a list of statements of things that are going to occur prospectively in the game on Saturday. An example could be the Jets are going to run for over 100 yards. and You're going to pick 10 things that you think are going to happen, rank them in order of likelihood that you think are going to happen, Free-to-play. If you win, you're going to win some free Jets gear, cigars, some other stuff that they've uh, been handing out. So uh, just getting off the ground there at Statement Games. Free to sign up. Compete against all of us at Turn on the Jets. StatementGames.com. Just click on the Jets-Texans game in the lobby. I'll be in there this weekend. I think I came in like fourth or fifth place out of our like 20-person contest against Buffalo. I will find a way to do better this week. All right, we're going to jump into our interview with Dom now. When you are done listening, make sure to go over to iTunes, subscribe, review, rate. We're just about at 300 ratings, really trying to push up over that. All right, this week's guest, he is a writer for Deadspin. He has previously worked on the New York Jets beat. He has also previously been on this podcast. Dom Cosentino, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Joe. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you.
0: Absolutely. So the first thing I want to talk about Um, A couple months back, uh, you published a really lengthy interview where you had a very candid discussion with Pepper Johnson, former NFL player, uh, was the New York Jets' defensive line coach early in the Todd Bowles, Mike McCagnon era. Wide-ranging discussion. You talked a little about Belichick, talked a little bit about his playing career, but for Jet fans, talked a lot about the lack of communication within the organization, and and some disconnect between Todd and his positional coaches, between the front office and the coaching staff. Definitely something that every Jet fan needs to read, and something that I've kind of heard echoed from around the building as well, that there's just a complete sort of disconnect and lack of communication between not just coaches, but like, like you outlined in this interview, the front office and the coaching staff. What was the initial thing that got you together with Pepper for this discussion?
1: You know what? It's funny you you ask that because his he actually had a a publicist who was shopping him around for interview possibilities about the upcoming season. The, the interview ended up getting published, I think, just before Labor Day, so it was before the start of the season. And I don't know if his publicist thought it was just going to be, you know, he and I bantering about general NFL topics or what have you. And I recalled. From the, you know, Pepper, I I was really only on the beat for one season plus when Pepper was there. Uh, and he was not someone who really wanted to talk much with the media. He was very much a, you know, he he very much seemed to be a, a, a Belichickian product, you know, in, in the sense that he, he had coached under Belichick in New England for, I think, 13 years before leaving. And so he was, he was very, you know, very guarded when it came to his discussions with the media, and even you know, off-putting at times when when he was confronted with questions or anything. So I assumed, I you know, I obviously wanted to get the stuff that I got in that interview, but I, I assumed that I wouldn't get very far with him. And once we got going, he really did not pull back at all. And it you know, I ended up having him on the phone for four hours uh, total, and I, it was not something I expected. And so we went through all of it, as you, as you mentioned at the beginning here, you know, his playing career, working with Parcells, working with Belichick. And naturally, I then had to go into some of the jet stuff too. And yeah, like you said, he, he, you know, he really outlined a, um, kind of a, a, a bit of a culture of dysfunction. Um, and, and, and I didn't quite know how to take it at the time prior to the season because, you know, I didn't know if this was how much of it was sour grapes. You know he, he got fired he, he he was sort of but by his telling of it he was fired unexpectedly so you know you don't know if he's taking shots at people kind of at a you know because it's sour grapes but you know I think the way the things have played out this season for the Jets certainly with some of the coaching decisions that have been made which you know I don't think any jet fan needs to be reminded about um, as well as some of the recent reports. There was a Daily News report about, you know, the, the, the disconnect between the G, the front office and and Todd Bowles and things like that. So I I think Pepper might have been onto something, um, you know. And uh, it's just not it's not something I necessarily knew how to interpret, if that makes sense. Back in September, and that's why I ran it as a Q and A just to kind of get it out there because this is what the guy said, you know. Let people judge for themselves, kind of how how to interpret it. I think events since then have, have have put it into better perspective.
0: In regards to the Jets, what were sort of your headline takeaways from your four-hour discussion with him? What were the two or three things he said that you really took away, uh, that you were surprised to find out about the Jets organization or that you've really seen play out in real time over these past three to four months and, and another disappointing season for them?
1: Well, you know, he he didn't really... He, he, he kind of had a indicated that he had a different take on some of their draft prospects, you know, and some of the other ideas I think he had for wanting to coach the defensive line. He, he talked about a, a disconnect even with Casey Rogers, the defensive coordinator. I got a really good sense that, you know, they didn't get along, you know, Pepper and, and, he didn't get along and Casey and Todd Bowles are obviously very close. So, you know, again, that was something else. I didn't know if it was sour grapes because he had gotten fired um, but, but a lot of that disconnect that he really talked about, and just that you know he, he didn't see. He, you know, I think he he had known Todd, but he didn't he didn't you know he didn't feel that Todd was someone uh, you know he could you, you know, trust. Maybe isn't the right word, but just you know Todd wasn't in his corner. I guess with some of this stuff that he was kind of checked out with, with a lot of it when it came to this sort of internal stuff. So um, you know that uh, that I guess most of all really really jumped out at me and, and you know, he clarified it, you know, he almost confirmed, I guess, a few things just about, you know, Woody Johnson even in terms of, you know, that Woody takes what's written about the Jets in the media too seriously. And I think that that gets back to a lot of the impulsive moves Woody has made as the owner over the years. Um, you know, Pepper having been with the Patriots, he, you know, played under Parcells, Belichick, Played in Detroit for a year at one point, uh, late in his career. Um, you know, has been around the block. Uh, you know, as a player and coach, been in the league for thirty years, and for him to kind of offer that up, uh, I thought I thought was 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 very telling as well. I'm
0: paraphrasing here, but there's a portion of the interview where he says something along the lines like, "Todd just doesn't care. Like you don't get it. He just doesn't care." And yeah. I've seen that one sort of snipped out and shared a lot. I don't know if he literally. Met it into the way that as some Jet fans are kind of referred to because Bowles is not someone who's demonstrative with his personality, particularly on the sidelines. It's definitely right. been part of what his problem has been here. What was he referring to when he was talking about that?
1: That's a good question, and I, I was kind of alluding to that a minute ago. But I, I, I think, and I, you know, if I could do it again, uh, you know, again, he was he was hitting me with so much stuff during that interview that that's one where I wish I had. you know questioned him a little deeper to get exactly what he was getting at but i got from it my takeaway from the the, you know the tone of the rest of the conversation that he that it was that todd didn't care about the i guess some of this internal strife it wasn't that he didn't care about coaching or that he was checked out as a coach which i think you know you can i can see why people would read it that way but I, i You know, if I had to do the interview again, I would have asked, you know, what did you mean by that? And, you know, I didn't get that opportunity. or I had that opportunity and just, you know, he kept talking and and we, you know, we moved on to other things. But I I don't think he was I I do not think he was referring to Todd's just general approach to coaching more as much as he was referring to, you know, Todd trying to police some of the uh, internal disagreements among the staff.
0: I think one of the other things that was interesting in – you know, the Jets in 2015, they have this allegedly great defensive line. They have Harrison, they have Richard, Richardson, Wilkerson, and they draft Leonard Williams. And it was unpopular at the time to disagree with the Leonard Williams pick because the boilerplate thing that got passed around is well, Leonard Williams is the best player in the draft. So it was a home run that the Jets take him. You always take the best player available. While ignoring mm-hmm. that they already had a concentration of talent at that position, and he kind of alludes to that with Williams' skill set as being redundant to Muhammad Wilkerson, and then preferring mm-hmm. him preferring a guy like Grady Jarrett, who, funnily enough, maybe the Jets will go sign this off after they trade Leonard Williams. Right. Uh, also, the thing with Wilkerson being from Jersey, having guys around him, and seeing how yeah. Wilkerson yeah. his behavior. I don't know if the field evolved after that contract. And now seeing Leonard Williams, you know, I shared a gif of him this week basically walking around the field and he's been disappointing these past two years. I think he had a somewhat encouraging first two years, but these past two years, disappointing and the sort of the Mm -hmm. the window is kind of actually finally starting to shift on him where it's not controversial to criticize him anymore because the production just hasn't Mm -hmm. been there. And a lot of this has been had a lot of foresight. And you have to wonder, you know, Williams was raised in the NFL by Wilkerson Richardson and how much, I mean, he was mm-hmm. on the ball with all of this, no? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I think, you know, and again, in, in early September or late August, when I talked to pepper, you know, you w- you know, Williams hasn't been this big impactful guy, but at the same time, you know, it, at that time it's, it's, it, 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 you know, how much of this is sour grapes? Pepper was boasting about, Wanting to pick Grady Jarrett, who is a, who who is turned into a, a pretty good player, but it, he was taken in the fifth round. You know that. So that was, making that comparison, I think was was Pepper just you know I don't I don't know how much of that was him trying to just puff his chest a little bit uh, and again take a shot at a team that fired him. However, uh, you know the way events have played out, you know he 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 wasn't wrong. I mean you, you know Leonard Williams was taken as the number six pick in the draft you'd expect a guy like that to be a very impactful player, particularly along the defensive line where you want to have, you know, where he's going to be a disruptor and he's not only not been that at least consistently, um, you know, like, like you alluded to it, you know, it's almost like he's checked out a little bit. So uh, yeah, again, I think, you know, the way events have played out, uh, you know, Pepper has proven to be, uh you know proven to be correct in many ways, but you know how it, it, it's, that'd be a good question you know how much of that twenty sixteen culture which was you know just you know appeared to be so toxic with everything inside internally for the jets, you know rubbed off on 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 a guy like Williams at that time you know as he was up and coming and playing alongside these guys who were considered uh you know Top tier talents around the league, you know Richardson and you know Brokerson certainly got the contract, uh, and then all of the drama that ensued with them throughout that year, with you know getting fined for being late for meetings and and everything else, um, you know. So yeah, how much, That'd be a great question to ask now. I think is how much that 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 rubbed off on. <laughs>
0: when you look at the infrastructure of this organization and i'm you know interested in this as a fan and as someone who covers the team while not necessarily being on the beat and being there day to day 2014, we saw how that played out. There was a huge public outcry to fire the general manager. Not quite as much around the head coach, but they both ended up going. That was a situation where the head coach had media connects, knew how to work within the media, which engendered him a little more sympathy. Idzik had no... Grasp of any aspect which helped expedite him leaving, even if he probably wasn't really given enough time to do what he needed to do. We're kind of in the opposite Mm -hmm. situation here where the coach is not quite as savvy with the media. The general manager seems to have the very much in league circles, he's very respected and you know, he has the Mm -hmm. both the national and the local. Most of the local writers really not even bringing his job security up as a question. Now, this has gradually started to erode over the past few weeks, but the operating mm-hmm. operating assumption has been is that Bowles will be fired. McCagnon is not 100% safe, but he's likely to be back. And the, the argument that I've read now from four different beat writers is they make a 2,000-word argument outlining how bad he's been at his job, but then say he should keep it. For yeah, continuity the, right. or something mm-hmm. like that, while not addressing right. that it might limit head coaching options, and might address that you could have a uh, you know a Reggie McKenzie Bruce Allen situation where you have a GM right. for six seven years. So why do you think that is played out that way with this duo?
1: A couple of reasons. I think you know the, the the media dynamic you touched on is certainly you know part of it, but I don't think it's all of it. I think the other thing is that you know the Jets have made so many changes over the years and 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 there's you know one of the things they really seemed to want to try to do when they hired mccagnon and Bowles was establish some kind of continuity you know they didn't want to become the cleveland browns you know who were was just shuffling through coaches and general managers every year you know the, you, you want to try to establish a program in some way and you know the the, the system they set up with with both Bowles and McCagnan being on equal footing is not that unusual around the NFL. Uh, a lot of teams do it, and you know, so so it it, it seems like a a solid structure. But at the same, you know, and Bowles' mistakes, I think each week have been, you know, not, a lot of things haven't changed. You know, a lot of mistakes, I guess, are the same. That kind of thing, we we we've you can see all that if you watch this team every week. McCagnan, I think, uh, you know, you put it best. I mean, I, I don't know what he's done to, uh, four years in to really merit staying on the job or getting another opportunity to, you know, fix this roster. I mean, the roster is as bad as it was th- four years ago, really, if you want to get down to it. They, do have a, they did get the quarterback, but they could have had the quarterback, you know, they could have had a Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes a year earlier and still have their second round draft pick next year too. Uh so, you know, I, I don't know why it is that the you know reporters are eager to point out his mistakes and point to all the holes in the in the roster, point to the draft picks that are A no longer on the team or B no longer in the NFL, up and down the, the draft board from the past four years. Uh and and, and think that, you know, well, if he gets his coach, or you know, he gets a little more time, some of this stuff's going to get fixed because there's, there just hasn't been a whole lot of evidence to show that, that 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 anything's going to change really if he's still on the job. And I think you, they'd be the Jets would be best if they're going to fire Bowls, you know, to start to just wipe the slate clean and, and start over come come next month.
0: Do you think it's naive to believe? And I don't know why so many Jet fans have rushed to assume this that. Woody Johnson is not involved in this process. I mean, London is not that far away. It's not that hard to stay in touch based on his current job. How involved Mm -hmm. do you think he is going to be on the final decision of how things are handled this offseason? And then more importantly, how is that new search process going to prospectively come together?
1: That's a good question. I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here in that I'm not around the team and around you know, talking regularly with people affiliated with the team to get a handle on, on what Woody's involvement may be now. They've given every, he, he's given every indication that Christopher's been running the ship, you know, captaining the ship since, since he took over the, as, as the ambassador. Um, that would be a great question though, because, you know, would, you know, if there's going to be wholesale changes, is Woody, you know, is Woody going to be involved? Now, the last time, he, he kind of farmed a lot of that out. To Charlie Casserly and Ron Wolf, you know, to, to, to sort of oversee everything. And I mean, he had the final approval, but those guys sort of, you know, I guess were in his ear, advising him to do that. You know, what it, it would be interesting to see if he's not involved, what they would do. They, I think they used a search firm to go after Isaac. You know, when when, when they hired Isaac, so they've done they've, they've tried different things and used different consultants. I'd have to imagine, you know. Given that Christopher doesn't have, you know, a, a, a much background with the team, that they'd have to find some other consultant or someone else to help. But that that's something I think that's going to begin to play out here in the next few weeks. But I, you know, I'm not close enough to the situation anymore to have a, uh, you know, enough of a handle on it to say anything with any with any certainty.
0: Based on your time with the team, how much of an impact did media and fan sentiment have on or do you think it had on decisions that were made and how business was carried day to day in that organization
1: i think quite a bit I, I i think that they they were they were sensitive to you know all the way up they were they were sensitive to how they were perceived you know uh you know in, locally in particular but i think it just in general um and and yeah it, it did influence things i think that you know uh if the, the 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 you know if the pressure campaign against idzik hadn't gotten to the point that it did with you know airplanes flying over practice, you have to wonder if if that if, if you know if he might have gotten more time um you know i mean i i think that season though just devolved to a point where you know a point of no return after a while um but certainly that pressure campaign, I think, influenced things. I think, you know, some of the stuff, uh, just, I don't know, the, the, there were so many impulsive kind of moves in the past, you know, uh, that, that it's, it, it would be hard to think that there weren't decisions made based on how the Jets were being covered, if that makes sense.
0: No, I mean, it. it does always seem, and I've always gotten the vibe from, Around the team and people around the team, that they are very cognizant of all of the narratives and discussion going on around. Mm -hmm. And I do think that you know they fired this guy, they fired that regime after two years, and there was this hesitancy that well, we can't be so knee jerk. But there's also a fine line that four years is a pretty long time in the NFL, and I don't know how common it is to give a GM five, six, seven years to turn things around because you put, sort of put yourself in this cycle where every year it leads to the next year when you're supposed to be competitive and that year keeps getting moved back and back and next year you could be well it's a new head coach it's a new system really 2020's the year and now you're at 5 years yeah. and 6 years so when does the and kind the, of this, break yeah
1: right and this isn't a league where you know teams have five-year plans, you know, to to build. You, you can turn things around pretty quickly by hitting, you know, the best way is to hit on a handful of draft picks the way the Saints did last year. You know, granted, they have Drew Brees, um, you know, but you hit on a few draft picks, you, you kind of, your, your free agent signings, you know, I, I think we all understand that you're not going to build a team through free agency because it's costly but your free agent signings pan out, you know, to some degree and, and, and perform to expectations, uh, you know, to supplement what you're getting through the draft. But you, you have to build that foundation through the draft. And, you know, the, the Mike McCagnon record, unfortunately, through four years is not a very good one. There isn't a – we're four years in and there isn't that foundation. You know, I think if, if you had to point to his successes – you know, for, for, for the the franchise's long-term future, you've got certainly got Jamal Adams, um, you know, Chris Herndon possibly, you know, as a tight end. Uh, I think he can get there. And then, you know, Sam Darnold, but even with Darnold, it's still an open question because, you know, he's likely going to have a new offensive coach. You hope that he they would bring in the kind of coach who's going to run a system that's going to maximize his talent and maximize the talent they have around him. But there isn't much else around him is a big part of the problem they have invested almost nothing in the offensive line um they've got a couple of you know a, a good receivers they probably could use a, a running back like a levy bell who's going to be costly but they can bring him in but they, they're just there's there just seems to be there have been too many draft picks you know and i i think you laid it out in the tweet that was read on the radio this week joe or last week whenever it was uh just too many draft picks that have that have not panned out at all and I'm, you're not going to get 100 percent. you might not hit 75 or 80 percent, but mccagnon's you know hit rate has not been good and it how long do you give a guy you know to, to to before you pull the plug on something like that continuity is fine but continuity for its own sake can be can be just as bad as being impulsive
0: before we let you go Let's work under the assumption that what is expected to happen happens. The Jets fire Todd Bowles the day after the season ends. They they keep McHagden. They say he's going to be prominently involved in the head coaching search. What type of head coach do you think ends up here? Who are some of the candidates and what sort of background or level? What, what kind of names are you going to be looking for to net out in that search? And, and how does this opening compared to i mean right now we know cleveland's going to be an opening we know green bay is going to be an opening tampa probably and then outside of that am i missing any where does this sort of stack in next to all of them
1: well you know it's i have to think just because of the way the game's trending they're going to try to get you know an offensive minded coach who wants to play a a modern style of football and it could be you know, someone from the 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 college coaching ranks, you know, I I think teams are gonna be lining up to go after Lincoln Riley and there's the obvious connection for him with Baker Mayfield and Cleveland. Um, you know, but I I think just some of these you know, it's become such an offensive league, even though I know the last couple of weeks, a couple of defenses have played well, I've got to think that they're gonna go they would they would be interested in pursuing someone like that, you know, Especially given the way Darnold can move with the you know with the ball, and you can take advantage of that that aspect of his skill set. Uh, there's a lot of potential with making the right decision there, but you know it's also easy to make the wrong decision in doing that too, uh, as the Vikings discovered with with John D. Filippo. Uh, you know, and perhaps pairing him with Kirk Cousins was the wrong thing to do. Um, but I, I've got to think it's going to be someone like that. The second part of your question, though as far as how attractive a job it is, got to think Green Bay is going to be attractive to, to anyone, obviously, because of Aaron Rodgers and all the things you can do there. Um, Cleveland with Baker, Mayfield, and kind of, you know, there's a team that, where you're seeing, you've seen this year the kind of promise I think Jet fans had hoped to see in Sam Donald's rookie year, just with the foundation around him. You know, the Browns have obviously, they've had a ton of draft capital to work with the last few years, but they've, they you know, they've hit on some of that. So they're they're building a pretty solid defense. Um, You can kind of see once they made the coaching change and got rid of Hugh Jackson and and Todd Haley, you know what Baker Mayfield's really capable of doing with that offense. So, you know, there's a ton of potential there. So I, I, I think that's also an attractive job for a potential coach. And then I think the jets would fall in, you know, after that, because I think with Darnold, with a young quarterback, um, it, it, it is a pot- potentially a, a pretty good opportunity. Now, what could be a problem if McCagnan stays, as you said, is that you know McCagnan's on the clock. You know how long does the coach have to? You know, if McCagnan signed through twenty twenty, does the coach have one or two years before he's out? I mean, it, you know, if if, if doesn't draft well next year, I mean, you know, so that that's going to be an issue, I think, for any potential coach. But I think with with the young quarterback. Uh, with with only one year under his belt, the, the, it, it it can be a very attractive, you know, and some young defensive pieces. It can be a, an attractive opportunity for a coach.
0: All right, Dom Cosentino, thank you for joining us. As always, great insight, everybody. You could follow his work over on Deadspin and give him a follow on Twitter at Dom Cosentino. Thanks as always, Dom.
1: Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Hope to talk to you soon. Take care. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas.